You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bears-Seahawks was a surprisingly fun back-and-forth game between two teams that didn't really have all that much to play for. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and every day. On the show today, we go back through Bears Seahawks. We relive some of the roller coaster moments, some of the parts where, boy, we're frustrated about the same old Bears making some of the same old mistakes in this game. The parts where the Bears... Figured it out, got it together, scored touchdowns, made stops, big plays, big moments. And the parts where the Seahawks did a pretty strong Chicago Bears impression and kind of outbearsed the Bears at some points in this game. We'll go through what we saw from Nick Foles, David Montgomery, the offense, the offensive line, the defense, the secondary, continuing to make some plays or at least make some stops when they need the pass rush kind of doing its thing that we've seen for a lot of the season. And guys still playing hard even after the team has already been eliminated from the playoffs. And that's what struck me about this game was just, you know, the, the Seahawks were officially eliminated from this, from the playoffs in this game too. So they, they were still fighting for a playoff spot technically when the day started. But I mean, realistically, it was kind of like the Bears in previous weeks where it's like, yes, they were still in it, but their chances of actually making the playoffs were pretty slim. So it, it wasn't like this game was going to make or break their season necessarily. They had a chance to keep their stuff alive to fight another game, but wasn't likely going anywhere for them. And so, like, you know, neither of these teams had a lot of incentive. And in a snowy, cold afternoon game, you know, not that every, not that we were expecting these teams to give up by any means, but you could have seen less effort and less intensity. And instead, it really was an, an entertaining back and forth. I was going to say fun back and forth, but you know that... The down parts aren't aren't always as fun, for sure. But like you know, like you start off early on there when when DK Metcalf blows by Thomas Graham Jr. for a touchdown, right? That's not fun, but you know, it's, and it's kind of that welcome to the welcome to the NFL moment for Thomas Graham. But you know, it the, the Bears started sort of working their way back and forth, right? We we got these like moments of same old Bears. We're tired of this crap. To like, oh hey, wait a minute, there this team just still does have some talent and can still do. Some things, because then, like, you know, offense drives down, gets in the red zone, gets up to the goal line. Some real questionable decisions, play calling, plays, execution at that spot, they kind of blow it. But then eventually, you know, the defense gets a stop there, the bad punt. Daz Newsom has a big return, right? You start to get excited. Eventually get down there again. This time, David Montgomery just gets to pound it in three times or whatever it was before he finally punches it in. It's like, okay. We're, we're, we got a football game here, right? This is not just going to be the Seahawks have the big explosive play or whatever. Like, no, this, the defense came out where they needed to, and the offense was able to finally actually take advantage of really good field position, unlike last week against the Minnesota Vikings. But then, you know, Seahawks march down for another touchdown, and they get, you know, the two-minute drill, their busted coverage again. It's like, ah, oh, geez, Bears defense is falling apart. But Artie Burns almost picks one off in the end zone, and they hold the Seahawks to a field goal. And it's like, okay, you go into halftime, there's, this game's not over. The Bears are still 
hanging in there. You're wondering if it's going to fall apart in the second half like it has in so many other Bears games where they just can't do anything in the third quarter, right? The third quarter has been a disaster for them this season. And it certainly started out not disastrous, but started out among the same type of trend we've seen from Bears third quarters where, you know, they give up a sack and they get in third and mile. And that happens so much in this game, but, and they end up punting it away, but defense makes a stop. And all of a sudden they actually stick to the running game in the third quarter, which was something we haven't seen them do a ton of this season. And they march their way down. Khalil Herbert has the touchdown run. And yeah, Bears are bringing you know bringing it back in, and it's like each time it's like they'd they kind of falter and then they'd crawl back in, and then falter and crawl back in, and you know always sort of keeping it within that three to ten point deficit range until of course you know they get down to the very end. But you know, more big runs from the Seahawks. Everett has the touchdown, but kind of a blown coverage there. And late in the third quarter to the fourth quarter, you still get Foles kind of slinging, but the offense is moving and. You know, they get down in the red zone again and have some red zone trouble trying to QB sneak it a couple times in there. And they, you know, they, they settle for the field goal because they kind of do that same old, some of that same old Bears shooting themselves in the foot a little bit here and there. But again, the field goal keeps them right back in this game, right? I mean, it was as much as it's not fun to settle for a field goal, right? It brought it back to a seven point game so that when the Seahawks would drive down again and miss their field goal, the Bears were still right in it to then have the the fourth quarter drive with, you know, it started, I think, about three minutes. It wasn't quite a two-minute drill, but to drive down and have a, a really nice touchdown catch by Jimmy Graham. Like, that's the one thing Jimmy Graham can still do well at this age is box out a smaller defensive back and try and come down with a touchdown. When the pass is accurate and gives him a chance to catch it, he, he'll come down with some of those. I don't think it's a high percentage play overall. I don't think it's a, you know, it's not something that works every time. Clearly, the Bears have tried to force feed him the ball in the red zone, and he's caught a couple of those this season, but certainly doesn't catch every one thrown his way in some of those windows. But it was exactly what the Bears needed in that moment, and it, I mean, it was what would have been the game tying touchdown until Demir Bird makes the even more spectacular play on the two-point conversion where where Foles was clearly late to see it and late to throw it. Like, you could see Bird sneak behind the defenders, and then you can count. I mean, I, I didn't count live, but it feels like it's like 1-1,000, 2-1,000. Okay, now Foles is winding up. Like, he's staying, you know, like he, Bird was open and, like, had his hand up and was kind of like, hey, throw it to me, and just the, the time it took for Foles to see it, right? And this is not like a specifically to be like a criticism of Foles. It's just, I mean, he's got a progression and a read on that play. And I, I don't know in what order he's supposed to get to a wide open bird there or how much of that was designed with where that was bird was supposed to be versus improvising or whatever it was. And obviously it's a two point conversion. He's just trying to find somebody in something, but for him to be able to sort of grab that essentially one handed and then absorb the contact of all the defenders trying to push him out of bounds and then come down and still get the knee in bounds to have that body control is really impressive, and I didn't think Demir Bird, of all the Bears receivers, was capable of something like that. And I don't know that it's <laughs> repeatable from somebody like Demir Bird. I don't know that, you know, you run through that play ten times, does he make that catch that same way f four times, three times, right? I mean, that was pretty miraculous and not something that's been a part of his skill set, generally speaking, throughout his NFL career, but it worked. And credit to Matt Nagy for going for two there for the win, and for for drawing up, I mean, the Jimmy Graham touchdown is not a clever draw, but right, it worked. It scored. Touchdown has been hard for the Bears to find this season. And for the two-point conversion play to work, too, especially when they've had so much red zone trouble this season, the last two weeks, this game in particular, it worked, right? That, that's kind of what I came away with with this Bears game, like, on both sides. Like, they both, both the offense and the defense messed up 
a ton. But they made some nice plays, and they made the key plays when they needed to, and it worked. Like, that's really the theme of this Bears game. It worked. Good enough. You scored one more point than the opponent. That's really actually all it takes. But, hey, they they were playing hard for their coach on both sides of the ball, particularly curious uh, how well the offense responded to Nick Foles. Not not that Foles was the, 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 the catalyst there, but just that, Last-minute quarterback change, and it, the offense didn't really skip a beat. I mean, <laughs> I thought that there was a lot of beats to skip there. But we'll, we'll go through what we saw from BDN, as his, as his nickname might be, and Montgomery and the whole rest of the Bears' offense before we turn our attention to the defense. After that, coming up next on Locked on Bears. Just because the holidays are done, if you're looking ahead to your New Year's resolution, how about something a little bit more healthy for you? How about the world's best-tasting protein bars, Built Bars, because Built Bars taste like candy bars, but they have all the nutrients of a protein bar. They're not loaded up with all that extra junk in a candy bar. I mean, you know how candy bars, they're certainly sweet and delicious, but they leave you feeling like crap. Built Bar has that same sweet taste, right? Each one is covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew, but they're high protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calories. It is an elite combination that I, I have not found in any other protein bar product when you and then also add in how good it tastes, right? Not just the nutrients, but the taste, the chew, the feel, everything about them. I, I keep reordering. I got gingerbread built bars just came in for me and those are good. There's a ton of great flavors. I'm sure you will find something you love. Head on over to built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. It's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at Built.com. It was kind of a late announcement in the week, Friday after, I mean, Christmas, Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. My days of you know, Christmas Eve, Nick Foles announced as the Bears starting quarterback. Of course, after we had already put our preview podcast together with anticipating an injured Justin Fields, but obviously the Bears choosing to go with the veterans at a number of positions in that sort of win now type of move, despite there not being anything to win for, other than to give maybe the Giants a, a worse draft pick. You know, they're teetering on that top five pick going to New York for the Justin Fields trade. But regardless, we knew Foles knows this offense, but more so, right, he hasn't been practicing with the starting receivers and the starting offense. I mean, he, he did this week then with Dalton injured and, and Justin Fields injured, right? But for the most part, it was kind of a abrupt, all right, Nick, this is what you've been waiting for. Get back out there and play. And, you know, he he got the job done, right? I mean, I think he showed you about as much as we've seen from Andy Dalton, maybe even a, a little bit more, right? I mean, I'm I'm hesitant here because, like, Stat line looks great. 25 or 35 or 24 or 35, 250 yards and a touchdown, 98.5 passer rating. He took care of the ball and did what he had to do, right? I don't think it was like a particularly dominant or impressive quarterbacking performance. Like he made it. There were a couple throws in that game that were really good. That like Nick stepped up and made throws for his team. But there were a lot more of, you know, check down to Cole Komet and he runs for 15 yards after the catch. There was there was one to Darnell Mooney, the one where he got hit on the roughing the passer where it was a nice finding them in space. And, and of course, Mooney did a great job of creating some extra yards after the catch too, but it was more so in that sort of intermediate area where he was targeting the pass that was solid. But then, you know, it was a, a lot of the Bears' longest plays are check down to Montgomery, check down to Mooney, check down to Komet, check down to Goodwin, check down to Komet, check down to, to Jimmy Graham, right? And, and credit to those receivers for making those plays and, and trying to, you know, to help the offense. And it certainly 
did, right? It certainly worked. It got what the Bears needed, but it wasn't purely, you know, great elite quarterbacking from Nick Foles that that got them there. Right? He took care of the ball, managed the game with a couple of plus bonuses in there, and then that's what the Bears offense needed. You know, in a snowy, tough game like this against the Seahawks where it was going to be, well, it was supposed to sort of be more of a, a running game type of battle, and the Seahawks were the ones that, that clearly got the better of the running game. We'll get into this Bears defense a little bit, but it, it was weird because it felt like Montgomery was running hard and, and seemed to be finding some room to work there occasionally, but finishes averaging, what was it, 2.1 yards per carry in this game. And it just didn't seem like, like the, the eye test didn't match up as much with the with the stat line there. Like, yes, there were a lot of runs into the line of scrimmage in the backfield, but there were you know, a handful of the four, five, six-yard runs and a couple of others where it felt like he was, I mean, he was running hard and he was making guys miss and he was, pushing through, running over Bobby Wagner, or was it, it was a Brooks. He ran over one of the linebackers and made Bobby Wagner miss tackles, right? He was he was running hard, and just but the yards per carry average wasn't there. But, like, you really saw it in the third quarter, the the payoff for sticking to the running game in that middle of the third quarter-ish drive that ended with the Khalil Herbert 20-yard touchdown, where Herbert was really the beneficiary there. But on that drive, starts off with the pass interference from Foles, then it's Montgomery up the middle for four. Quick pass to Mooney for five. Montgomery up the middle for four. Montgomery up the middle for minus one. Uh, Foles, I think it was a screen to Montgomery for 16. Montgomery up the middle for nine. Incomplete shot to Mooney. Uh, Montgomery up the middle for two. Foles dumps off to Damian Williams for two. And then Herbert for 20. Like They, they weren't ripping off a bunch of eight, nine-yard runs. But it was the four yards here, the two yards there, the five yards here that slowly sort of not only took the time of possession back for the Bears and slowed down the clock a little bit and tired out the Seahawks' defense and then freed things up then so that they could go. Khalil Herbert ends up getting the beneficiary, spread him out of the 20-yard line, so, and then that Herbert speed, I mean, he runs into the end zone untouched. It was a nice it was a nice little reminder from Khalil of like, hey, still good, still that good young six-round pick that we can be excited about for next year. Like, just because he's not the starter anymore and getting all the, the shine that we saw when David Montgomery was hurt, he just... Sticks his, head, sticks his hands up and says, hey, remember me? Like, I, I can run for a 20-yard touchdown on run. I mean, that was the, the Bears' longest run of the game. Was And Khalil Herbert had, I believe, two whole carries through the whole game. Two carries, 21 yards. And one of them was a 20-yard touchdown run. And that was the longest Bears play of the game. The longest Bears run of the game, I should say. It was also the second longest offensive play after the Mooney catch and run over the middle of the field. But, right, it, it, it sort of worked. Again, it wasn't a stellar running game, but it got the job done, kind of like what, what happened with Nick Foles and game managing. Like, it just, it worked. <laughs> this is the phrase I keep coming back to this game. Like, the offensive line, same kind of thing. Like, Tevin Jenkins gets hurt. Larry Borum goes into the left tackle. Gave up a sack there. You know, Jermaine Effetti was not very good on the right side, and he was a, a captain, named captain for this game. I do not understand. I mean, yes, he's the the eldest uh, elder statesman of the offensive line with Jason Peters hurt, but he's not... I mean, captain. We could. I mean, we could. I don't want to go on. I didn't. We did a Jermaine Effetti rant last week after he was shoving Tevin Jenkins, and I'll let that speak for itself as to why Jermaine Effetti as a captain is just ridiculous. He's not even a good enough player to be a captain, let alone a, a, like a leader and stuff. But regarding, you know, like James Daniels gave up a sack at right guard. Like no one on the offensive line was like stellar. Mustafer had his moments, but like they got enough pass protection. I mean, Foles was moving out of the pocket here and there, and certainly they weren't always great in the running game either. But it, it was enough. Right? It felt like this Bears offense was just like riding the shoulders of 
Montgomery and you know in the passing and running game and, and Mooney were kind of like this Bears offense. They sprinkled in some Komet, a dash of Herbert, and then at the end, until the Jimmy Graham touchdown and the Demir Bird, you know, then the the rest of the crew kind of steps up in these big moments when they need to. I think in part because Herbert, or excuse me, in part because Montgomery and Mooney had been such a focal points of the offense that a defense was maybe paying a little bit more of the attention there because that's where you know most of the passing offense and rushing offense, of course, had gone through up to that point. So then. Graham gets more of a, a one-on-one coverage there, and Bird's able to slip behind the coverage a little bit because the coverage is stepping up for David Montgomery underneath or, or paying attention to Khalil or Darnell Mooney. I don't know why I keep going to Khalil Herbert there, but like that's that's where I think it worked in the end for this Bears offense. And it kind of sounds like status to be determined for Fields next week. I'm sure something we need to get into later this week on the podcast is this idea of player veterans versus player young guys, and like should they put Justin Fields out there for these last few games for that experience or shut, I mean, shut him down is a strong word, but let him heal up and don't risk injury or something else. I guess I don't know what else you'd be risking, but mainly risking injury for he and Borum and Jenkins and, and some of these other younger guys late in the season. We'll, we'll have to get into that a little bit later on in the week here on Lockdown Bears podcast, but I do want to go through this Bears defense because another one of these sort of like, Again, up and down roller coaster, but good enough to make it work despite some really bad moments and some some also some, some nearly interceptions. A couple of those plays the Bears really could have had. We'll, we'll go through this Bears defensive performance a little bit more in depth next on Locked On Bears. If you saw this Bears upset over the Seahawks coming, you could have won some pretty solid cash over at betonline.ag. I believe the money line for Bears straight up was either... Bears plus 235 or Bears plus 265. And if you're not big on the betting, it's basically like multiply your money by 2.35 or 2.65 if you had bet on the Bears straight up for the the upset. So that's like, you know, almost two and a half, essentially around two and a half times return on your money. You bet $10, you're getting, what is it, $35 back? My math is because you get your $10 back plus 2.5 back, right? So you would have got some big money at Bet Online had you bet on this Bears upset. The spread was Bears plus six point five, which of course, I mean, winning the game, they they covered that, and we're really within that for the majority of the game. And hey, betting on these games makes some that much more fun, even when there aren't real playoff implications. So if you want to get in on some of the action, BetOnline.ag is the number one place we trust, the number one place we recommend for all your sports betting needs, not just on Bears games, but. Basketball, college football playoff season, right around coming up right this weekend. Hockey, soccer, tennis, baseball, when that comes back around, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games online as well, all right now at Bet Online. So sign up today for a free account. Enter in our promo code LOCKED ON, and you're going to receive a free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's them giving you free money to bet with at Bet Online, where the game starts. I thought we would see more of a, a lower-scoring defensive struggle in this game. And not that it was a, a shootout by any means, but I guess it still at times was a struggle. But still, there were explosive plays for the Seahawks offense, and I guess the Bears had to earn their, their movement a little bit more. But right, we kind of talked about that on Thursday's podcast, putting together the game plan for this one, that the Seahawks could be a little bit of boomer bust. And we saw it right away with the DK Metcalf touchdown where, you know— I I don't like the idea of Thomas Graham one-on-one with DK Metcalf without safety over the top in that kind of situation. But at the same time, it's really easy for us to sit here at home and, and, and point that out and say that. 
not that I'm trying, this is not like a defensive Sean Desai, but it's a defensive like, hey, being an NFL defensive coordinator is a lot harder than you think because you can't just double cover their top wide receivers in every play, right? You do it sometimes have to trust your cornerback to be able to stick with that and, and that that may be that you don't know when DK Metcalf is going to just run vertically and blow by you right you have to be prepared for any potential route he could be in right you can't just you can't just cover every play thinking he's going to go vertical deep shot there now at the same time the Bears have been a little bit predictable in those types of third down situations running man free cover one single deep safety man coverage underneath and it looked like just watching it live it looked like that was about what they were in it. I mean, it might've been a cover three with a man match, but it was, it was hard to tell in the live, but like maybe they're a little bit too predictable sometimes in what coverages they are in. But I also think sometimes it's this cat and mouse game of like offense called a good play and just happened to have a good, happened to be the time where receiver was able to beat the coverage and quarterback was able to look for him and find him. Right. There's it's more than just like how, Oh, how could they have called that play? Because I bet I would bet you a lot of money. If you comb back through that game, there were many other instances, many is maybe a strong word. There were other plays in that game where Thomas Graham covered DK Metcalf one-on-one in man coverage or other cornerbacks covered DK Metcalf one-on-one in man coverage without safety help over the top that obviously did not result in a 40-yard touchdown, right? So it's like, it looks bad in that moment, but it's not, doesn't make it universally a bad play call, a bad coverage call necessarily because you can't always be prepared for everything on every play, right? That's it's defensive coordinating is really, really hard. And so I, I'm, I'm not going to kill Sean Desai for one specific coverage call. If it becomes a pattern over the course of a game where it's like, how do you keep putting that player in that position and not adjusting and they keep beating you in the same route, right? That's when it can be a little bit more of a, a, a valid criticism in my opinion. But from there, it, it's not each one in a vacuum. I'm not going to kill. It's more so the pattern over the course of, of a game. But like when, when I look at the Seahawks offense, we knew that Pete Carroll would want to run the ball a bit more. And it's like Rashad Penny had 17 carries for 135 yards and a touchdown. He averaged eight yards per carry. And it's going to go on the stat sheet. It's like, oh, bad, bad run defense for the Bears, right? I mean, Rashad Penny ran all over them. He had three runs, I think, of three runs of 25-plus yards against this Bears defense. It was not a good game in run defense, period. I mean, I think I, that, I think that's fair. And honestly, I'm, I'm not going to get into it again, but like, Roquan Smith had a really bad game in in run defense in particular. He was getting washed eight to ten yards down the field. And then I got the touchdown, the short touchdown for Penny. He shot the wrong gap completely. He does that all the time in the goal line. And it's so frustrating. And everyone just wants to praise, praise, praise Roquan Smith. And like, yes, he's a very good player. By all means, I'm not saying Roquan Smith is a bad player by any means, but we don't no one ever criticizes Roquan Smith when he makes mistakes. And like he can be a good player and also a good player that makes mistakes. And those things can be true at the same time. And I wasn't going to get into it. And, I, and there I go, getting off on that tangent again. But but the bigger point here is that Rashad Penny ran all over them and the run defense wasn't very good. However, did that really make a big difference in this game? Like, is, is that is that why the Seahawks were there at 24 all and got why they got to 24 points because of their running game? Because, like, for me, this game was so much more defined by the DK Metcalf touchdown pass, the deep one that we just talked about with Graham, the Gerald Everett touchdown pass where he, where Kendall Vildor kind of blew the coverage, came up to the underneath cornerback off the play action and Everett slipped behind him and Eddie Jackson was mad at him because clearly I think as a keep to lead point on the broadcast, Kendall Vildor was not where he needed to be in that game. It was defined by those two touchdowns and then conversely, the late stops that the Bears made in pass coverage. Like that's where this game was won and lost. Right? The Seahawks had two way too easy passing touchdowns 
like that were not quite a busted coverage and just a bad coverage, right? Both both plays were bad coverage, easy passing touchdowns of twenty plus yards. That combined with then the coverage stops that the Bears got late in this game is what I think really was the true difference maker. Like the the running game and all that helped the Seahawks move the ball between the twenties a little bit. And yes, Penny did pound one in with four yards, but like. The, the Seahawks only scored one touchdown in the red zone, right? Two of their touchdowns were out. The other two touchdowns were outside of the red zone. The Bears otherwise were pretty solid down there, and the missed field goal certainly helped with that. But, like, the like the, the eight yards per carry from Penny was not winning, did not win the Seahawks the game, and it was not really winning them the game. It was those big passing touchdowns that were winning them the game, and then it was the passing stops in coverage that won the Bears the game late in that game. And so like that that's that's what I end up coming away with is like that's the that's sort of the Fangio style that we're seeing with with Brandon Staley and now Sean Desai and even in, in Green Bay with uh Joe is it Joe Woods I always get him and the Browns defensive corner mixed up. Regardless, run defense is important but it's not that important. They'll, they'll go light in the box and say beat us with the running game because most of the time the running game by itself is not going to be able to be enough to beat you in, in the NFL right now. So that, that's where I think this Bears defensive performance kind of came from there. I mean, and, and then, of course, the Seahawks shooting themselves in the foot, right? That's part of the problem here, too. They had almost, I think they had one fewer penalty than the Bears, but they were doing a lot of the same kind of things that the Bears do. I mean, they really out-Bears the Bears. The Seahawks offense struggled, struggled in a lot of the same ways that the Bears offense struggled, except that they got a couple of explosive plays in there, explosive passing touchdowns. But other than that, like, same kind of things of penalties and Checkdowns and just like incomplete passes, like there was a, there was a lot of Justin Fields in what we saw from Russell Wilson. You know what I mean? Not usually it's the other way around. It's like, oh, is Justin Fields starting to play like Russell Wilson? But Russell Wilson was playing a little bit more like Justin Fields in terms of like a couple of just like missed passes, a couple of sacks he shouldn't have taken from hanging on to the ball too long, plus impressive downfield throws. But it's just funny how how some of those parallels start to work in both directions. But I, I do give the Bears defense a lot of credit. You know, they played hard all game and it, they played hard at all levels and in some of the same things we were seeing against the Vikings where young guys getting their opportunities because of players in the COVID list stepping up and playing hard you know I mean pretty much everybody played hard Roquan Smith played hard Alec Ogletree played hard uh Kendall Vildor I mean you know, I'm not gonna say he didn't have it wasn't that he had bad effort just you know mistakes but Thomas Graham playing hard Deion Bush near interception making some nice plays Artie Burns had like two or three pass breakups including that near really impressive interception in the end zone you know they were rotating cornerbacks in this game and he was he was hanging in there better than I than I thought he would be given that he's rotating with a six-round rookie I will definitely give him credit of course Robert Quinn getting sack number 17 on the season a half sack behind the Bears franchise record he's gonna set it I'm guessing it's gonna be next week but if it's not next week I, I he's gonna get it he's gonna be the Bears all-time leading single season sack record holder and that's going to be a weird uh, what what a turnaround what a trivia that that's going to end up being after a guy we were all running out of town 12 months ago and and playing his way into the Bears record book that's it's just another little like fun nugget at the end of this season that I'm trying to enjoy and cherish because like yes we're frustrated with Matt Nagy we're frustrated with this Bears team they're out of the playoffs they have nothing to play for and we're not even getting to see our rookie quarterback but I know two months from now well Super Bowl is in February so three months from now you're going to be sitting on a Sunday afternoon, man, going, man, wish there was a Bears game on. You know what I mean? And so it's like I'm trying to cherish the games that we have now, even when they don't matter. It's like let's find the fun. Let's find the reason to watch. Let's find why we love football in it. And, like, the Robert Quinn type storylines are exactly those types of things. I hope that's what the Lockdown Bears podcast helps you do this time of year with the way the team is now. Gives you a little bit more meaning 
in this game, some more fun. Let's cherish it. Let's enjoy. Let's squeeze every ounce of football enjoyment that we can out of these games. And that, that's what I'm hoping to be able to do here with the podcast through the rest of the season. So make sure that you're subscribed to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Podcast is free and available on all platforms. Appreciate you making Lockdown Bears your first listen today and every day. If you're looking for a second listen today, make sure to check out our brand new Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021. It's a special podcast special we've got going on right now. Local experts, betting advice, and NFL draft analysis. It is the most comprehensive college football playoff preview. It started last Friday. It's going now through this week, getting you ready for the college football playoffs. Highly recommend it. It's a huge operation that comes together with our Locked On College hosts, our national guests from the Odyssey Network. I mean, it, it's it's really, really well done. And if you like college football or you're just interested in college football playoffs, definitely go check that out. Tune back in tomorrow and all week long on Locked On Bears. As we get closer to the end of the season, we might start taking some closer looks at some future head coaching candidates. we got to get into that whole play the rookies, sit the rookies debate too later on this week. And before you know it, we'll start putting a game plan together and previewing the last few games of this Bears season. So I hope you'll keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears. And once again, hope the podcast makes it a little bit easier for you to bear down. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.